Welcome to Black and Brown, a podcast where three black guys get to share their love of bourbon. We talk about current events, we conduct interviews, and good old-fashioned shit-talking. Our hosts, Bill, Anthony, and Delvin, will keep you informed on what's going down with that brown. On this episode of Black and Brown, we welcome a man who needs no introduction, the one and only Fred Minnick, one of the biggest names in the bourbon industry. He stops through to help us develop our palates, talk about the direction of the American whiskey industry, and how to pick the perfect whiskey if you are, you know, bourbon curious. So kick back, pour one up as we chop it up with the marzipan maven himself, Fred Minnick. All right, so yo, let's get cracking. It's your boy, D. Joyce, the People's Choice, back with another episode of the Black and Brown Podcast. And we got a banger tonight, fellas, right? I mean, yes, I sir. told... I told we told him a couple of episodes ago that our season finale for season two was a banger. So we will not disappoint. As always, I'm joined by our guy, Mr. W.H. Stevens, the silverback. What's up, W.H.? What's going on, Choice? Good to see you, What's brother. What's the deal, fam? What's the deal? Hey, man, I'm chilling, bro. Chilling. And of course, the man that always has a plan, A. Colbert, the plug. What's happening, A. Colbert? I'm chilling, Choice. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Big Black? <laughs> Chilling. And yo, and what's nice for about this episode for me is that A. Colbert was so nice to let me have the moderate moderation duties tonight. So hey, I get Well, you know, you work hard to get this guest, man. So it's only right for you to hard. <laughs> yeah. You yo, so tonight I'm gonna be Gladys Knight, y'all the pips. And Woo-hoo. we have the man, the myth, the legend, the palette, the palette, the Marzipan Maven. There it is. <laughs> Mr. Fred Minnick. Oh, wow. Mr. Fred Minnick. And the crowd oh, goes, wow. Yes, Great to be on here. I, I, I love the marzipan maven. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Dude, you're right? the only person I've ever heard that said they got marzipan from a, you know, from a bourbon, which blows my mind, by the way. Blows my mind. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so go into a, go to Meyer or, or one of these really good grocery stores that has a good, like, French like uh, pastry section, yeah, and get you some uh, get you some marzipan. Yeah, <laughs> go home and eat it, and then and then tell and then start tasting you know bourbons after that. And I'll give you a list. You know, there's a list. Barrel tends to have a little marzipan note in there. Booker's often has a marzipan note in there, and there's huh. some single barrels from Heaven Hill that you know bring it as well. But uh, yeah, man, when you get that when you get that marzipan note, that's like. It's like making love on the palate. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Fred. I love it. That's right, a little so bit of my I, man, Jules. That's a yeah. burger. <laughs> and Fred, I mean, I love that you are a man who is true to his word. You got your ascot on. You're here on the Black and Brown podcast. We worked long Absolutely. and hard to get you here. So yep. really, really appreciate you coming. Yes, sir. And and I'm and this pleasure. is playoff playoff Sunday, right? So by That's the time right. this episode airs, yeah. we will know who's in the Super Bowl. But for our listeners, Fred, who are you pulling for? Well, I'm going for uh, Tampa Bay right now because, you know, uh, I've become friends with Indomitian Sue. Oh. Uh, he, he started, uh, he has a whiskey, uh, or he's oh, an investor really? in a whiskey. And, um, okay. And, um, and I had him on my podcast uh, um, earlier this year. And, you know, we've, We've just kind of stayed in touch and he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Yeah. And I also, I really, I really admire Tom Brady. Yeah. Like I want to see him win one 
without yeah. Bill Belichick. Maybe Bill Belichick, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm in, I'm in the land of Brady, so everybody up here is like crying big tears right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, well for it, I was gonna I was gonna ask you: Is Tom Brady the goat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's really he, he's the greatest of all time. Absolutely, better oh, than Montana. Wow. Better than Montana. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's better than Montana because. Montana, like, don't get me wrong. That, that's not to say that, you know, Montana was not, I mean, Montana was great. Right. But I mean, he had, he had Taylor and Jerry Rice and mm-hmm. Roger Craig. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Tom Brady had, you know, Randy Moss for, for a minute, for, for, for a, a quick bit. minute. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he made Wes Welker into a pro bowler. Pro bowler. You know, <laughs> and Amendola. Yeah. Yeah. And Amendola, I mean, those, those are people that, you know, were like, you were happy if they were on the practice squad and came out as your fourth receiver on any other team, but yeah, um, yeah, I, and you saw it this year with with Belichick, just kind of like you know he couldn't scheme like he wanted to without Brady. So I just I think I think Brady is 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 the greatest of all time, uh, without a doubt. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that for a second. <laughs> of course I, you are. <laughs> I, I grew up a 49er fan, so I'm a big Montana guy. Joe Montana played in an era where, number one, you could actually touch a receiver downfield. That's mm. true. Brady's That's true. receivers are wide open, crossing wide open. passes and wide open because you can't touch them. Number two, Montana played in an era where you could actually hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Brady's standing in the pocket with no fear. So my parting shot is Brady is great. Montana's the GOAT. But if Brady takes the Bucks to the Super Bowl... He's the goat. Yeah. Why, is it, why do you have to put a footnote on it? I mean, well, I mean, he's he's trying to be objective here. I I, I respect yeah, he's trying, you but I mean, come on, dog. I respect what he's doing that. with a team that nobody gave a chance this year, right? Yeah. Nobody thought the Bucks would do anything past maybe winning four or five. Look where he's yeah. got them right now. A game yeah. over the Super Bowl. You feel me? That's crazy, 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 crazy. All right, so we're not here to talk about football, Fred. We want to talk to you about. Yeah, we want to pick your brain, brother. And we've been looking forward to this. So, you know, I don't know if you listen to our show, but we have three standard questions that we ask every guest. And I can't wait to hear your answers. The first one is, you know, we believe that, you know, gate that that bourbon uh, is sort of a, uh, you know, a gateway product. Right. There's always that one bourbon or maybe it's a cocktail that really made you fall in love with the brown. For me, it was Mm -hmm. Eagle Rare. For Bill, it was Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Yep. Plug, remind me, what was your gateway? It was the Trace. Buffalo Trace. Okay. Buffalo Trace. Everything from Buffalo Trace. And I, I know you are a big Evan Williams black label guy, but what was the gateway for you, Fred? Well, I mean, if I, I want to take you back to uh, to a much skinnier version of uh, of myself. Nah, uh, come on. A, a lack of a receding hairline. Twenty-one. <laughs> I, I, you can see an ab or two, and maybe you know I could run a six-minute mile. I had just turned twenty-one, and uh, you know to celebrate, I was I was drinking uh, Jim Beam straight from the bottle on the on the balcony of the Delta Guy fraternity house, and I loved I loved Jim Beam back then because it was cheap, it was really tasty. Right. Uh, and when I when I went to Iraq, I had people send me Jim Beam and Jack Daniels in uh, in Listerine bottles. So they would pour out the Listerine because it was illegal to drink while you were in country. So oh, they, yeah. they, and so I would have them sneak it in through Listerine bottles because, you know, it looked like the same color as the Listerine. So the MPs, which they were fierce. I mean, they couldn't yeah. wait to like 
you know, you know, throw you and, you know, get you in, in trouble. Court commanders or something. Yeah, they couldn't wait to do that. MPs are the worst, but I hope there's a statute of limitations on all this uh, this info we're giving up because I oh absolutely on that too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm straight out of the military. Uh, Actually, no, they came out with like, you know, if you're an asshole and you tried to like storm the Capitol and you're a veteran, you can get (laughs) you can get court martialed for that. Mm -hmm. So that's something new that I've learned. Yeah, they those uh, because of recent events. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. That's Wait, great. we didn't. There was I didn't. I promised I wouldn't talk politics. Yes, so, yes, yes. I that's for a different podcast. We, we leave that for a different <laughs> podcast. But, you know, yeah. But uh, so that was it. Was Jim Beam White Label, and and oh. it was really, it was just basically because I was you know twenty one, and you know that's that's what I could get, and yeah, and, you know I remember too going into those liquor stores at that time, and there'd be Weller just there collecting dust. And right. this was a college town, and, and they had like a pretty nice little you know selection there, and. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. Crazy. Well, it was that's crazy. Yeah, that's real dope. Well, that's uh, that's really cool. And by the way, you know, you're you're a veteran. Our man A. Colbert, the plug, is an Air Force veteran. So thank you for your service, obviously. And uh, you too, well, plug. Thank the plug. Yeah. 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 What, hey. What'd you do for the What'd you do for the Air Force? I was in PML, and when I explain that to people, I say PML. They're like, "What is that?" So uh, it's an exact science of measurement. So I kind of worked in a controlled environment all day in a calibration lab. You know hanging out, mm-hmm. turning knobs, troubleshooting stuff. But yeah. it was fun. Yeah, I think I actually met uh, one of you all at, at the FARP. Uh, at the FARP? It, yeah, the forward area. Uh, I think it stood for forward. It, basically, it's where you landed helicopters. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It could have been a fast cow. Like, they deployed the fast yeah. cow, like the hardened shelters. They're, they're yeah. uh, forward deployable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. good stuff. I, I had a... Um, uh, I had a lot, I had a little bit of time with the air force, the best, uh, the best like convoy controllers while I was in Iraq were always air force, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because, because they were so much smarter than everybody else. They figured <laughs> out the, you know, you know, to be in, to be in the air force, you had to be smart. You know, uh, I was infantry and that's the, the lowest quality, lowest, uh, lowest denominator right there. Fortunately, I got out of the infantry at one point, but, yeah, it's but funny. Yeah, people th- always for your say service. that. Thank you. You're welcome, man. You too. People always say you had to be smart to be in the Air Force. I just say you had to take a test really well one time, right? <laughs> okay. So on that one test day, I showed up. And, and it's funny because so when I went in, I had two options. They were all in electronics. And one was like aircraft warfare. And the other one was PML, the eventual one I chose, right? So it would have either been electronics or electronics. Paved the way to where I'm at now. And now we're talking bourbon. And yes, sir. Right. A lot of, right. lot of, lot of, lot of science and calibration and bourbon. Yes, yes absolutely. sir. Absolutely. Yeah. I, when right I, went on a, I went on a tour to um, A. Smith Bowman, and when they pulled out the hygrometer and was talking about how they were figuring out the percentage, I geeked up on them. So it was a That's wet awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm a civilian, but I played for Tom Coughlin. That's about as close as I got to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So second question, Fred. So obviously, as this big bourbon celebrity and spirits industry connoisseur, you get thrown bottles all the time, right? You get access to unicorns. Yes, he does. But is there a bottle out there right now that you are hunting that you just can't get access to and you're trying to find? Like a modern bottle? Any bottle. Any, uh, any, any bottle. bottle. Any bottle. So I have two bottles that I'm constantly looking for. And that is the original uh, bottling of Maker's Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been hunting uh, that for 15 years. Ooh. And, Why? and it's, uh, I just, to me, like there's, there are some 
there are some pieces of whiskey history that I want, and that's mm. one of them. I think Maker's Mark is the most important brand for bringing bourbon back, you know, because when they came out, they were like a red dress and a sea of gray, and people, they, they had a different marketing, you know, campaign, and while vodka was coming in and taking everything off the shelf, right. uh, Maker's Mark was going through the roof. And, and so th- the original Maker's Mark bottling, which is uh, 1958. Uh, mm. mo- most of it, the, the first cases went to the, the Keeneland Horse Track in Lexington, Kentucky. And then a whole mess of it after that was sold to uh, retailers in t- Texas. So I've always, I'm always like looking through like uh, um, estate sales and Craigslist stuff, you know, from people in Texas because I know where those things were sold and I'm just waiting for one of them uh, to pop up. The, the second one is a particular old Forester president's choice bottling that was just for the Kentucky Derby in uh, 1956, I think. Mm. So did you say the, the people's choice? Yeah. Uh, no, he did president, not. President's choice. Oh, president's choice. <laughs> but I mean, it could have been the people's choice. Check um, your battery in your hearing aid, Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that those so those are two bottles both from the 50s in the modern era um you know i i really covet um you know the private barrel picks and, yeah um there are there are two there's one club that i think does a really really good job and that's the the great lakes uh great lakes out of I, you know, Michigan, the Great Lakes area, you know, mm-hmm. call themselves the Great Lakes Bourbon Club. I've tasted a lot of their barrel picks, and I'm like, these guys are doing, these guys have great palates, and they're picking some great stuff. The other one is a, um, a liquor store in uh, Mississippi. It's called Lincoln Road Package Store. And so anything from Lincoln Road Package Store, I don't care what it is. I mean, it could be a private barrel selection of Fireball, and I would be buying it. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, J- Jamie's got like the—he's he, just so good at picking barrels. So, so uh, are, these, are these available online? Like, if our listeners want to try to get some of these from the Michigan Club, and and I mean, it's like probably going to help if you know someone. Okay. And, mm. and as as we kind of said at the top, you know, if the government's listening in, yeah. we never we never always want to reveal that someone, but, yeah, uh, but exactly. those are. Those are like the um, th- those club picks, especially. The, so the Great Lakes, I love their stuff, and then uh, uh, Lincoln Road Package Store. Uh, the best way to get Lincoln Road Package Store is honestly to go down to Mississippi. Ugh. And uh, Jamie Jamie Ferris is the uh, is the picker's name, and he's just he's a great guy. Ferris, huh? Let me okay. can I ask a question before you ask the third question, Delvin? Yeah. Um, so Fred, I know you know a lot about bourbons, you know a lot about the bourbon history. So mm-hmm. my uncle, you know, he reached out to me, found out we're doing a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and he has an original decanter of a Jim Bean bourbon that's made in the shape of a Corvette. Are you okay. familiar? Yeah, so, very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's had it for 30 years unopened. Is it worth anything, or does he just have a Corvette decanter? No, that Corvette decanter is actually really valuable. Um, the the um, uh, the decanter series from Beam was like it was a big thing in the '60s and '70s. They created yeah. clubs around it. People okay. uh, loved it, and 
I have not had good experiences with the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you would want to test for lead because they used, uh, you know, kind of a the ceramic had some like, you know, some lead compounds in it. Gotcha. But um, that is the most coveted one of them all is the Corvette. Oh, he's you got know, a little mo- mind. Yeah, most people ask me about like the um, uh, the Green Acres one or the Ducks Unlimited. And, you know, those are those have like no value. But the Corvette one, I have seen it. Um, you know, here's the thing: is they actually brought more money in the '80s, mm-hmm. you know, than they mm. do today. But yeah. that, but if you find the right collector on that one, yep. you know, I mean, that that's something that Christie's might actually be interested in for an auction because uh, it's it because it, what it does is you have the whiskey collectors yep. and you have the Corvette collectors and the Corvette collectors are like, you know, batshit crazy for that one. Yeah. And the oh. thing that tripped me out was, so he, he's not a drinker anymore and he was a drinker at the time and his workers gave this to him as a gift. So it's been sealed for 30 years. And he now, said, how, how has he stored it? Has he stored it like in a nice uh, dark place? No light getting in there. Yeah, I think so. Because since he's not a drinker, he wouldn't have it out. You know, he's a religious mm-hmm. man. He, so he wouldn't have it out on display or anything. So people would be like, oh, you drink. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it's been in a dark place. But I will follow up with him when I talk to him after this. this Actually, thing. this is what you should do. You should be like, oh, no, no, it's not worth anything. It's not I'll worth anything. Send it to me. Send it to me. Yeah, yeah. I think not for him. I'll be honest with you. I In my career, I have never seen one feel. So if you could actually send me a picture. Yeah, I'll send it I, to you. Just, it's it's I, actually I geek out on that sealed. stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to your email. That's so and, cool, man. Yeah, and and, make, and make, make sure your uncle has a will, man, because Fred, oh, he does. He Fred does. checks the estate sales. You, yeah. I caught that. <laughs> I mean, that's... Fred. Fred That's is up, up on a real estate game. I didn't even know that. So now it's funny. This guy is checking his estate sales. He's serious. Sorry, All right. Go ahead. So, so Fred, the last question. Okay. And we know, we know you are a big music guy, so you better come with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we, you know, if bourbon has a nose and it has a palate, then we also believe it has an ear. Yeah, so, absolutely it does. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and you just recently did an episode on the best bourbons to pair with what musical genres. We Genre, were like, yo, yeah. we were like, yo, Fred Minnick biting our show, right? Yeah, we we <laughs> so, so Fred, so what do you get on the ear when you drink your whiskey? Well, you know, first of all, the ear can influence you on what you're tasting. There's really good scientific data on this and um, if you listen to a certain, you know, if you, if, so when I listen to like an aggressive classical music, yeah. I don't like, bur- I don't like bourbon, like, like some of the like really pounding Beethoven stuff. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want bourbon. I want, you know, I want something that's going to make me angry. So maybe some like really shitty tequila, Ooh. but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, but when it's like, uh, you know, like, like Tupac, I want to, I want to have like, um, I want to have like an old rip 10 year old or, you know, something that's really Ooh. velvety, like a Henry McKenna or a Michter's 25. Like to me, like music that has like writing to it is what I want to pair, like the stuff that's really complex. Uh, mm. So if it's just a hit bebop and song, I, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling like that's something that you want to, you know, think about. You're just kind of in the groove, you're dancing. You know, maybe there's something going on a little later. There it is. You know, it's a, it's the, but it's not something that makes you think mm-hmm. yeah. with, with that, that part of your brain. Yeah. But <laughs> with, I like, I like, uh, when I really want to pair something, 
I want to think about it. And so like, I'm a big fan of, of, um, I'm a big fan of like old school rap mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of like heavy metal mm-hmm. because they, to me, they're kind of like they, while they both have like beats, they also have like writing to them, you know? Right. So, you know, so I love, I, I, I mentioned Tupac. Like he's my, my favorite. Yeah. And, uh, and like, just love him. And yeah, like, yeah. I, I could listen to, listen to any of his stuff and, and bring out my very best. Now, and with like uh, you know Slipknot's probably my favorite heavy metal band, Ooh. and I would like uh, you know listen to them like in, in constant, you know listen to the whole album, yeah, and and sip uh, you know sip something neat with them. Nice. But if it's like you know if it's like country or banjoy or something like that, you know I'm having fun, but I don't want anything that's necessarily going to make me think. I just right. have a good time. You know, yeah, very nice. so so it's got to make the playlist, Fred. I mean, we have a hashtag bourbon sounds like playlist over on Spotify where we drop all this stuff, all these gems people give us. So if, oh, if nice. it was one track from Slipknot you had to pull, right? This or one track from Tupac. Like, yeah, one track from yeah. Tupac. Like like Slipknot did that dope joint with De La Soul about mm-hmm. 10, 11 years back for that movie soundtrack. That was really hardcore. That was a good one. But if it's one you had to pull off the hip and just throw out there, which one would that be? Uh, so my favorite song from, um, my favorite song from Tupac is, is Brenda's got a baby. And I I think that's, I think it's the name of the song, but, but it's like that song to me captured, I mean, it was poetry. It captured a, it captured an issue in our country Mm -hmm. and, um, and he, and he like, and it's like, it was real. It was edgy. And and it made you think about yeah. issues in our country, and that's why like that's why like Tupac is so special to me. Yeah, it's because like his stuff like to me transcended a genre, and it made you think about something more just you know Thanks. your own self or 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 whatever was going on. Okay. Uh, with, with Slipknot, I find it very hard to pull out a singular song. I have to like listen to their stuff at once. Yeah. Like I have to, I can't just like listen to one song. It's kind of like Pink Floyd, like Pink Floyd. Like if you listen to something from the wall with, with, without listening to the entire album. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work. You kind of miss it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go with, uh, with Tupac, uh, Brenda's got a baby. Okay, cool. Uh, nice. Very nice, Fred. Nice, very nice. Super dope. Two great choices. My takeaway from that is that I'm old because Tupac is old school. He said old school rap, and then he said Tupac. And remember for us back in the day, old school was like Cool Mo D and them, Pop, right? Yeah, and Tupac a Big Daddy Kane and Big Daddy Kane and Dixie right. Light. <laughs> I've got a story. I got a story for you. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in middle school, okay? So I grew up in a little town called Jones, Oklahoma. Middle school. And, and, um, I I had my cassette player and I had Easy E, you know, <laughs> playing. And this was 90, 92, something like that. Yeah. He, he was still alive. And my uh my principal caught it. And it was and by the way, it was banned. Uh, uh, rap was banned in our school. And I, it was so banned? It was banned, but so was like ACDC. So oh, okay. anything so that anything, any, anything that wasn't Anything that wasn't Alan Jackson or Garth Brooks was banned. Oh wow! You know, so you couldn't like you couldn't like you bring it on at school. 
And so I had this cassette player, like the Sony Walkman thing. I'm walking oh, around, yes. you know, yeah. doing my thing. And uh, Mr. Stevens, the principal, walks up to me. I mean, this dude, he's like 6'4". He's got a barrel chest. He's got freaking cannons for arms. He's like, hmm, what you got there, Mr. Minnick? Oh, I'm just, you know, listening to some Garth Brooks. <laughs> and, he, and he opens it up. And he's like, hmm. He's he's not Garth Brooks. <laughs> and so he calls my mom and says, uh, Mrs. Minnick, uh, your son is listening to uh, Easy E. And she just said without hesitation, whip his ass. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then he, he took the paddle and he and he crunched it up. So I lost my Easy E tip. Wow. That's terrible, that man. Oh, that's oh, awful. Lord. Just take the tape. Yeah. Listen to it back in your office, dog. That's Hey, that's what you get for having originals, man. We only had dubs. You couldn't tell what we were yeah, listening to. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> Cut out the label. <laughs> All right. So, Fred, you did great with our, our three standard guest questions. So now yeah, really excited round. to get to the, to, the, to the general discussion. And yeah. so, you know, obviously, right you've built this amazing career. Um, you've done all kinds of things that, you know, from previous interviews, I know that you could not have envisioned. Um, so take us through your journey, man. How did you get here and how did you break into journalism? Yeah, uh, the journalism part's pretty easy. Um, I was I was 15 years old and um, and was uh, I was in an I was in an organization that is popularly known as a national or future farmers of America. Mm. And we had um, um, we were I was like showing pigs and doing like, you know, had horses and basically had like this uh, kind of a farm life and we were winning like all these competitions with our pig shows and my FFA teacher is like, uh, we're not getting any attention for this. Why don't you start writing about this and submitting it to the paper? So I wrote like uh, just a basic, like Bob took first, you know, <laughs> Tiffany took third and I, and I, and I wrote it up on like, like a DOS matrix computer oh, and printed yes. it out tore off the the serrated edges and i faxed it in to the oklahoma county newspaper and they ran it that thursday and when i saw that story i was like i changed my career vision of being a veterinarian to being uh, a journalist wow. and so mm-hmm. i started being I, I was a journalist in high school covering it was investigating you know things like the school board and stuff at, at the school um you know like one of the things that i discovered is that they fired my high school football coach without without like reason which is what he needed in his contract and i think i actually i don't know if he sued him but i know my stuff was like um you know could have been used in a lawsuit at that time but this is a long time ago so i don't really remember it that well wow uh, i went to oklahoma state wrote for the college newspaper and got my degree in uh agricultural journalism so i've always been like, like fascinated with like food and how things are grown and like uh, the food and fiber of the world, it, it, it's always fascinated me. And processes of creating these things have always fascinated me. And I took a job out of college after a stint as a sports journalist, um, uh, as a forestry technical writer. So I was writing about tree species and how to help them grow, stuff like that in, in Wisconsin. Jeez. And all, all the same time, I was uh, in the National Guard. So I, I joined the National Guard while I was in college. And, you know, 9-11 happens. We get hmm. sent to Iraq. And then when I get back home from Iraq, man, I, I, was, I was in fucking shambles. You right. Know, I, could, right. I, couldn't, I couldn't get a job. 
I had like, um, you know, I was dating this young woman from Louisville, Kentucky, and ended up being my wife. Nice. But I was Congrats. thinking, uh, thank you. And you guys and met online, right? E-Harmony? We, we met, yeah, that's right. We, <laughs> met, on, we met on eHarmony. Very and, nice. Uh, and uh, that yeah, means you got game. Well, I got online. I got online game. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. So, so you were you preceded the online, online gaming now. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's, whose picture did you use on your eHarmony profile? Stop. Well, I, I used uh, <laughs> I used a clean shaven, you know, fit me. But you know, funny story. I actually, I you know, back when there was you were dating people off of AOL chat rooms. Ooh, I, wow. Back in like a long time ago, even before eHarmony, I, I met a few people on those things and they definitely did not use the pictures. To <laughs> <laughs> did you ever, the old bait switch. The old bait switch. Did you ever That's get on funny. Black Planet, Fred, or no? No, nah, it wasn't on that one. <laughs> Tell, tell, tell me about that one. No, man, that's another show. We, it, you're not yeah. ready for that one. It lasted like two weeks. <laughs> but it was fire. <laughs> is, is that like uh, uh, Farmers Only? <laughs> Something like that. It was sort of like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like the, Christian the older, The older, like, you know, left of that spectrum. Yeah, for real. That's <laughs> funny. All right. Okay, so I, feel so- like we're go- I feel like we're opening some things up here that uh, the world wants to know about it another time. So we'll have to get back yeah, together either on my podcast yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. yours. <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, so, so I, I So you're back. So I'm back. So that becomes your wife. Yeah, and, I, moved, I moved to Louisville. Okay. And I'm trying to get a job and no luck. And the only job I could get uh, was as a as a food a food editor for a trade organization that covered, you know, that covered restaurants. And at the time, I didn't know jack shit about food. I mean, yeah, I stuffed my face like any other person with a pie hole. Yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Uh, well, all these celebrity chefs are coming on board, and they were talking about foie gras and balsamic vinaigrette. I didn't know what the fuck any of that was. <laughs> and so I get, I get this job with basically a limitation of like, that's a good hamburger and that's a good hot dog, and I want Coca Cola and give me beer and more beer and bourbon yeah. to like having to like learn about these things and learn about like uh, trends and, and learn about like how food is made. And, and suddenly all of those like th- things that I loved in agriculture uh, were being applied in like in the food world. And I uh. became fascinated with it, fascinated with it. Yeah. Um, and then when you, when you get into food and you write about food, you eventually write about alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I started writing about wine for you know for this company and uh and i was just like wow they're growing grapes they're doing all these different things and it's just like it was like all the stuff i had learned um you know in college and i was able to apply you know the science that i had learned through the forestry you know tech writer position with like the barrels and everything and it was just i was just becoming growing closer and closer to how alcohol was made and then when I went out on my own as a as a freelance writer, I started writing about bourbon, and that was in 2006. My very first bourbon article uh, was about the was about the bourbon trail, and um, and it was like it was for a magazine called Successful Meetings because they were like wanting to do meetings in Kentucky, and I got into bourbon that way. So that was how it all kind of started. But at the same time, I was you know. I was having a rough go, you know. I think yeah. um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of vets, 
you know, maybe are not as open about it as I am, but a lot of right. us, you know, come home and had a uh, hard time. And um, I was in therapy. Like I basically had the artillery level of uh, therapy that the VA could throw at you at the time. And uh, one of the things that my therapist had uh, was training me to do was use a technique called mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, uh, something basic, like I would take a, a potato chip, a barbecue potato chip, and put it on my, on my palate and chew it. And, and when I would be in a moment, I would like chew on the potato chip and it would take me out of the moment. And I would be thinking about how the chip tastes. Where is it hitting on my tongue? Is it bitter? Is it sweet? What's the barbecue like? What's it remind me of? And suddenly I'm, I'm over here breaking down what a barbecue chip feels like on my tongue. And then at the same time, I was very active in wine and I was getting trained by like master sommeliers uh, when I was writing for a magazine called uh, Sommelier Journal. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing all of these things that I could apply to tasting. And, um, and I was doing it to bourbon as well. And I was writing about bourbon and wine pretty much equally till about, oh, okay. two, about 2011. And in 2012, uh, I was up for uh, the best wine writer in the world under the 35 category. And it was when I was in that room around like Robert Parker, Jancis Robinson, all these legendary wine people. I was like, I just want to hang out with Fred. No, I want to be with Parker mm. Beam and yeah, and Jimmy Russell. And Ooh. and that's when I decided to leave wine and focus solely on bourbon. And you know, the next year my book Whiskey Women came out, and I started writing Bourbon Curious and. I just really do everything I do just because I love it and just, you know, following there's no fucking design by this. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I, I, it's not like I went to my high school counselor. It's like, uh, yes, I'd like to sign up to be a bourbon writer. There's no career pair for that, right? There's no career yeah. pair for that. No. So, <laughs> I was like, so I, I want to wear ascots and be a bourbon writer. That's what I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you, you don't wake like, up and do that? Like you wake up every day and you know how some people wake up and be like, Ugh. well, I don't, I don't always wake up. I mean, sometimes well, you know, they you know keep I mean. sleeping. But you, you know, know, some days, like you basically set your own <laughs> schedule, right? You know, you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm pretty lucky. Like I, I can't imagine you wake up anytime and you're like disappointed in your career path right uh, actually i'm not i'm not disappointed but you know i i don't i don't feel like i know a lot of people have a you know think that i'm i'm like up here and all that i don't feel any of that mm-hmm. what i what i feel what i what i feel is that like you know i haven't done anything i, okay. I mean to be, to be dead dead serious with you like I don't, I don't think in those terms. I think of like, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times about you know raising money for charity. I think mm-hmm. about like, you know, what, what's my next book? What do I need to do here? But I don't feel like I've accomplished anything in it. And I'm not a, I'm not a person that um, I don't ever get content. I don't ever get content. And right. like I'm, and I'm constantly thinking about what I can do next. That's interesting. As uh, Rogers just throws a dime of a ball there um i'm always i'm always like thinking of like what um you know what i can do that's fun cool different yeah, and right. that can be of of use to people but um yeah i, I it, it is it is something that i struggle with because i don't uh, i don't feel success like i think people assume i do yeah i got you yeah. Well, hey, we we appreciate the humility and the fact that you you would be on this podcast, and and so I think that also speaks to our next question in terms of 
you know, now that you've built this brand and, and you move the needle, right? Like yes. you can have an opinion on something and it can either make or break a bourbon. So how do you, again, being this humble person that you are, but how do you, um, you know, continue to be objective, unbiased and, and stay true to your opinion, even mm-hmm. knowing that your opinion could potentially harm a, a brand? Yeah, I mean, it's that weighs heavy on me um, sometimes, but I think the main thing is, is that you have to be honest. And I've lost, I mean, I, I've had friends that don't talk to me anymore because I, uh, mm. I was very uh, low on their products and right. they'd come around, they'd come around eventually, but you know, uh, uh, can you give us an I, example? I think, give us an example. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Build that tea yeah, for I mean, it. Well, I won't use I won't use the brand name, but somebody I was very close with uh, got very angry with me over over a review and over um, over a story I wrote mm-hmm. and and was like you know basically stopped returning my text you know mm. avoided me when I was at their distillery. I mean that person's over it now and we're fine. Yeah, yeah. but that's st- that stuff happens and and like you know a lot of people will just see like the a positive review I've given, but they don't see, they don't see, or they don't seek out like the fact that I really shit on Parker's heritage, 24 year old when, you know, most people were going to the store and spending three, $400 on it. Like yep. I would not, wouldn't recommend that, you know? Right. And so, uh, and that has an effect, you know, it, yeah, yeah. it does, it does, it does have an effect, but you always have to be honest uh, the minute you're not honest, the minute you let a friendship, you know, um, get in the way of something, the minute you let like uh, an organization you're part of, you know, influence you with like what you what you give on on, uh, on your thoughts or something, mm-hmm. then you need to then you got to get out of the game because then you're not you're not being true. And look, the spirits industry, this is not an industry with a lot of critics. You know, this right, is, yeah. uh, no wine's got a, a shit ton. Right. And and the, and the reason why I think it the reason why I think that there's never going to be a lot in the spirit space is because you all uh could be, you know, you all could could have the most impactful review out there on Reddit. Tampa Bay just scored again. You know, so or, what's the score or right now, Fred. What's, what's the score? Yeah, what's the score? Uh it's about to be 28-10 Tampa Bay. 28-10 Tampa Bay? Yeah. What? He's the so, goat. Yeah. So where yes. we're at right now, everybody knows that we're watching the game or you know interview. That this will be out next week. Don't worry about yeah. it. Go ahead, Fred, yeah. Let's continue. Sorry, <laughs> my wife's got sorry right now. I apologize for. <laughs> no, 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 no. You good? But uh, no, that's essential. Uh, they know how we get down. Go ahead. All right. Good. <laughs> so uh, you know if I and I think that um, and I I think one of the reasons why it is. It, it is tough to be a, a spirits critic is because that really it, it, it looks like anybody could do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I've been doing this for 15 years and I have seen a lot of people burn themselves out and, you know, not stick with it. I've seen people get yanked by brands. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of different scenarios and also you don't make money at it. Like when I, when I post a review, I'm not getting paid by the brand to do that. Right. Mm. I'm not, you know, I mean, my money from that particular review will come from, you know, my advertising dollars on, on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, 
I do have mechanisms where I am able to make a, a living, but it, but it is not through the, the review. And I think that is the part that, that um, you know, it feels like anybody could do it. Uh, right. But yet, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would do it, man. It's, yeah. tough, it's, it's tough work. I guess that's when, when you have to run into keeping it real, um, go sideways, or, you know, if they're really your friends, they'll understand that you're trying to help them help with their product and also help the industry because, you know, a few years ago, bourbon wasn't really popping, you know what I mean? And now yeah. it's making a huge resurgence. So everybody's, oh, man, putting huge. Out, everybody's putting out product, right? And they're just yeah. putting out product all over the country, not just, you know, down in Kentucky, which is basically the mecca of right. everything. So you got people out of Utah, you got Woodenville out of Washington State. Um, we got some little craft joints down in Georgia, San Diego. Um, so, I mean, of course, you probably get samples thrown at you all the time, like check out my stuff. Is there any time you get a sample thrown at somebody you know, I guess comes with a little added pressure, like, hey, these are my guys. Can you hook them oh, up? Oh, sure. Whatever. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, that's happened. Um, and then I then I was like, uh, I mean, they've come to my office, dropped it off, and, and I was like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then... And then bath water. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm getting vanilla ice on the ear. On this. <laughs> I mean, but... But, but, but people, but people can be, you know, people can be like, they'll say like, I'm really nervous about you tasting something. Yeah. And, and, um, and I said, well, if you send it and I taste it and I don't like it, I have to say it. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah. then they'll say, and then I've had one, a couple of them say, don't taste it. Then don't taste it. Wait, a, give us another year. And so, really? and so I, I've, I've respected that. Yeah. Um, right. But I'll, I'll, I'll say you know, I mean, if you're in this game, if you're in this game and you don't back your product, right, uh, and it instantly tells me something. Yeah, um, right. uh, and and I'm also like, I'm at I'm at that point in my career, I really am tired of tasting the bad stuff. Right. Ah, um, uh, yeah. I, I yeah really you don't want to waste your time, huh? And and it's like you know, and I've thought about, and be, to be honest with you, you all are the very first people I've ever told this, uh, at least publicly. But wait, wait, wait. Breaking news. Breaking yeah. the, we, just yeah. back, we just got a backbreaker. <laughs> I, I just I just created I just created a spirits competition. And it's called the American Spirits Council of Taste. And um, and I've been thinking about getting away from the individual uh, the individual critic role um, and just putting all my energy into that from a tasting perspective. Wow. Because you know, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it from for longe- longevity of life. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. I'm looking at it from a perspective of like, I really am. I, I really, I'm, I don't want to taste. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at five of them over here right now that I've tasted. I mean, you can see them on my on my YouTube channel. Yeah. I'm like, I, I smelled, I smelled a dead cat. And oh in a wow. Whiskey. Oh wow! I I, yeah. I, t- I I tasted puke in one. I don't want to taste that stuff anymore. So so right. you're trying to you're trying to develop the future of tasters in bourbon is what you're saying, or what I would like to do is yeah I would like I do like training people. Yeah. I do like mm. working with people, and I I have a series of classes called you know taste camp that I that I do with people. But I'm I'm just like uh, I, I'm at a point like 2020 hit me hard. You know, yeah. I think everybody, I think everybody, everybody. Had, has everybody. a story. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, like, I mean, I was, I was on the verge of like maybe working for a distillery. Mm. Um, oh, wow. I mean, I, I went from one day doing events with Foo Fighters and uh, about to announce a national tasting series with a major hotel chain to like losing it. 
like all in a day. And all only money I had coming in was from my two podcasts and, and mm. YouTube, which, you know, I'm, I was looking at it and I was like, uh, and then my wife works for a hospital. Yeah. You know, she's, mm. she's the director of mental health for the VA here. And I'm like, if she gets sick, you know, um, and I'm the only income, you know, yeah. I'm in, we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, and so we started, I mean, a lot of great things happened to me. Like my YouTube community saved me. Mm. They, they saved me. And, you know, I started developing a lot of cool stuff um, right. that was not brand centric. So there are things that I could do, you know, remain my independence. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at like what the future is of, of like that individual critic role. And, you know, I, I think about it all the time. I think about yeah. it all the time. Like, how much more do I want want to do that? Because I'm more, I'm so much of an enthusiast. I think mm-hmm. sometimes, like that critic role, takes away from the enthusiast role of, Enthusi- of yeah. just like educating people. Yeah, so, that's right. you know that's. Yeah, was, oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Bill. No, 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 no. I was about to say that because you know, you know, you know, we're all enthusiasts. You know, like we mentioned before, you know, we're you know, we're um, relatively new in this game. So that's when you know, you know, one of my questions, like, how can I develop my palate? You know. I mean, not to your level, but, you know, how can, like, a person, a person. novice, yeah. you know, like, I mean, you, you, you know, you kind of Absolutely, absolutely yeah. you could get to this level. I mean, you can yeah. get to whatever level you want. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you you have to really, you have to, like, realize you are going to taste a lot, you right. know, and you have to develop, you have to know when to stop. And mm. so, like... When I was communicating with D before this, I said, "Hey, I won't be drinking bourbon today because it's a dry day for me." Mm, and okay. you have you have to stay true to that; otherwise, you'll end up passed out in a ditch somewhere in Las Vegas <laughs> with your pants down and all your money gone. You're like, "What the fuck just happened?" And then you go sober. Which I'm no. I'm trying to figure out which part of that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the going sober part. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so. This is this is what I I will give you the 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 all of this is connected. You know, there are there are actual super tasters in the world. Like I think it's something like one out of every five person five people are are a super taster. And uh-huh. that is that 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 is if your your taste buds are you know pop when you taste something. Right, right, right. But here's the thing that all everything on taste buds has been geared toward food and maybe wine. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of focus on on uh, spirits, right? And that's actually what a lot of uh, time that I do. I spend a lot of time focusing on how taste buds interact with with spirits, mm-hmm. and you know, basically, the first step for you to like to go for go forward, you know, is understanding your nose, understanding which side of your nose really works well, how to smell for you. Like, I think the best method of smelling is smelling with your mouth open, right. you know, ha- having your nose in the glass and going side to side. And then the next step is focusing where the spirit is hitting your palate. So mm. by focusing on where the spirit is hitting your palate, you know, you are, you can then hone in on, uh, you can hone in on like what the flavor is. If it's oh. on the, if it's really hitting the tip of your palate, you know, that's where the sweet notes hit. Uh, the spirit. So you can be like, okay, what is sweet about this? What is it? The whole the whole thing is is connecting your tongue to your brain. 
Right. And the, the first basic step is, is where is it hitting on your tongue? So should, so should, for our listeners and for ourselves, selfishly, when we're tasting bourbons, would it, would it benefit us to set up like three different pours, three different bourbons, and mm-hmm. taste first the individual sweetness from all of those, and then go through the different tastes on the tongue and try to figure those out? Let's do this. Yeah, so I'll even give you all the, the three to do it with. You can find them anywhere. My man or Bill, write this down, bro. I'm, oh, I got my pen right here. There I'm we good. go. So, right. oh, a maker's mark. So, yep. have, have a flight of three. The maker's mark, four roses, and Woodford Reserve. Okay. So, those are three, uh, three, different, uh, three different bourbons, mm-hmm. uh, pretty similar in age, different grain recipes, different yeast, different uh, distillation proof points, different barrel entry proofs. And what you will notice is all three of them will hit your tongue differently. Mm. So, and, and when you do the tasting, it has to be the same in glass. Okay. So one, one of the major, one of the major uh, criticisms I have about, you know, whiskey tasting in general right now is that you will see like um, uh, several glasses in the mix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you need to pick one glass that you like and stick with it. For, for all and that's for analytical tasting but you can't go you can't go from a Glen Karen glass to to a New Orleans glass to a, a brandy snifter yeah it won't work because the glasses put the whiskey on your palate very differently mm. and so uh. you you need something that's consistent you know so your tongue can pick up uh, where it's hitting your palate okay. so uh, so my recommendation would be the Glen Karen. Yeah, do right. those three tastings and then see where it hits on the, on your tongue. And then yeah. everybody like hit us up on the socials and yeah, hit us on the uh, gram and let us know how it comes out. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. just for clarification, and this is one of my commandments. Actually, you know, Ricky Bourbon out of a Glen Karen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and just and just so we know, I mean, it's the four rows of small batch, right? Would be the oh yeah yeah I would say four rows of small batch because what you basically you're you're staying on the very similar age range you're staying in a close proof range so four rows this is ninety proof Maker's Mark is uh, ninety proof and Woodford okay. is I think Woodford is like ninety and some change yeah but they're all uh, relatively close they're all very close in in okay. age and in proof huh so Fred we know you've got you are the marzipan maven. Mm, what what is the craziest tasting note you think you've gotten on bourbon? That's good or bad? Craziest. Or. Yeah. Uh um probably you know I don't know if this is crazy but it's something I've been picking up in um in in a few warehouses of wild turkey but marijuana I've, oh. I've picked picked up a little ganja in uh, in there. Ganja? Really? So uh yeah uh and then I picked up um you know on the on the bad side you know drywall burnt plastic um you know the dead cat one always stands out you know when that when I smelled one that smelled like That's a dead cat. Yeah yeah you said that one time dude I I, I almost fell out of my chair when I heard that cuz it was so funny to me when you said that you I said, think we're, I'm gonna we put were, this over to the side we were in a podcast <laughs> with some guys the other night when we were talking to them. We were drinking uh, the Bell Mead Sour Mash. And I think for oh, the first nice. time, I tasted yeah. butterscotch. So I got butterscotch out of it. And I was like, I had never gotten that flavor before. And I thought I was crazy. But the next night, Bill said he kind of knows the same aroma. Yep. 
Nice. Well, yeah. it listen, butterscotch. Yeah. I mean, butterscotch is one of those like hallmark notes in in a lot of brands, and mm. like you know, there's probably ten tasting notes that you will see surface um, in in bourbon throughout, uh, and that'd be caramel, vanilla, yes. yep, uh, cinnamon, yep, yep. Uh, nutmeg, uh, cornbread, honey. And then, like you know, fruit. So you know, like peaches and pears, kind of get mm. in there. Uh, some like dough, uh, black pepper, yeah. and and then you know something like you know like corn on the cob. So those are ten. Those are ten right. notes that are you know pretty you know consistent in there. And the younger you are, the more, the younger the whiskey, the more likely you will taste the, yeah. the grain. But you have said apple pie crust though before. I, I've heard. Oh that. yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, where, where does that fall in? Uh, so apple pie crust would kind of be like in the, in between like the savory and sweet. So you've got uh, that, you, you've got that. So to me, like when I'm talking about specifically about a particular pie crust, yeah. you know, you know, you get that, you get the pie and then there's that nice little soft layer underneath. That's got the, um, like the fruit and the, the, the beauty of the, um, like, it's like a gelatin kind of thing underneath yeah, there. Exactly. And it's, mesh, and it's, and it's meshed in there with that, with that dough and you just get that perfect bite. Uh, mm, I mm, mean, and this, this might be where I picked up a few of my pounds on my hips was, uh, <laughs> the, the fry, the fried McDonald's pies. Ooh, <laughs> oh, ooh. Do they still sell those? Yeah, I, I, I used know. to. I used to crush those joints. I loved them. Man, I haven't oh, even man. been to McDonald's in like forever. So I listen. If they still sell I can't. Them. I can't. If I go to McDonald's, I'm walking away with my toes swollen and my, you know, my <laughs> belly larger. I, so- I, I made this. I made this whole mistake, and it is. <laughs> I love to make rib, and I did this the pairing on, on YouTube. I did a bourbon pairing on YouTube with the McRib. <laughs> I, I felt it. I felt it in my body for five days. That big I mean, rib has to be salty, yo. Yeah. Whew. I mean, it's kind of like those MREs we used to eat. Yeah. No yeah. What, what bourbon did you pair with it, though? I, You know what? I actually did it. Um, I did it based on, you can see him over my shoulder there, uh, based in memory of Dave Pickerel. Oh, yeah. Uh, and oh, and yeah. so I, was, uh, I did a whistle pig, and then I did yeah. a maker's mark. And by the way, the, the maker's mark paired much better than the whistle pig. So, so um, I may be wrong, but I, I think I'm right. Dave Pickrell, um, he went up to Hill Rock and did some work. Um, yeah, Dave Dave Pickrell was the guy that went went everywhere. So, like, yeah. if you um, uh, if you were getting in the game uh, between 2008 and you know till his death in 2018, yeah, you know, you you hired uh, Dave Pickrell to be your consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. and like, and he would lend you, he would lend you his name. So he did stuff for Hill Rock, for Rocktown, for St. Augustine. I mean, he's he, in Brazil. I mean, he did stuff everywhere. Yeah, Brazil. Wow. He, yeah, he did stuff in Brazil. He was he's the he was the man. Oh, very nice. So, so Fred, with all that dialogue, man, about your palate and all of these, you know. Um, notes that you get, like how much stock should the average person put into what you say, right? Because a lot of people make decisions based on your palate, but how important is that? Uh, honestly, I, I don't, I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as like, you know, I'm just giving my honest opinion and I'm, yeah. I'm breaking it down the best I can. And if that, if that leads you to buy something, great if it doesn't great i mean it doesn't really um 
I don't really look at it like what I do is like trying to sell it. I'm just seriously, I mean, if you think about it, I'm getting to drink bourbon for a living and talk about it. So, you know, and that's it. And it's not, I'm I'm a bourbon fan. I'm an enthusiast. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really trying to move the needle on anything. Um, Right. It's just, you know, and it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And and then sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll go back and taste something and be like, oh, you know what? This is uh, this is better than it was before. So that's why I'm like I have like this I have this belief that the best way to really um, taste something for like a rating, mm-hmm. yeah. you should taste it three times because your palate's going to be different mm. every time you taste it. So yeah, yeah, I've heard you say that. Yeah. So so on your show, Fred, like and and hip hop artists, actors aside, who's been your favorite guest on the Fred Minnick show? But by the way, man, I loved your Killer Mike show. I, I was going to say, I think it was Killer Mike. Yeah, Killer Mike, Mike was Mike fantastic was because yeah. that yeah. whole Uncle Nearest thing you brought in, oh, it was it was awesome. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, th- I think my favorite part of that whole interview was when he was just like, you know, you know, I, that's great. People want to put me in, in a leadership role and all that. As long as they understand, I'm still smoking weed and going to strip clubs. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Yeah, and he, yo, <laughs> that was he, so real, he man. So, he that is so one hundred like, with it so because real. he doesn't want to give you any false pretense on who he is. Yeah. He's like, I'm doing this, but I'm also this guy right here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But since yeah. you said that, we have to ask: How'd you feel when Luda ate that chili with that Mictors? <laughs> I ain't hey, hey, drinking out of the bottle, man. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. That, that kind of hurt my feelings, so I don't uh, know about you. You know, I mean, I was just like, I just <laughs> sit through celebration and you're drinking it out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? To- <laughs> yo, we were like, we were like, yo, you you were one goal interview. We definitely want to get Luda on to ask him about that because that was too. Oh, funny. dude, it was hilarious. Boom, though. I mean, I was crying laughing. I I, I wonder, I wonder if he still has the bottle. I should probably text his text him and see like that. You know, he said he took a picture of it. He said uh, him and his homies are going to, you know, have it that weekend. That bottle is RIP. It's It's gone. gone. Yeah, it's it's definitely done. It's It's definitely done. That was so funny. So those are definitely two, two that are very important to me. Um, I think the one that I probably, you know, you know, I mentioned I, I was a, I'm a big Slipknot fan, but getting to interview Clown from Slipknot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was that was right before all of the COVID stuff. And so it was in person. Yeah. Ooh. And and so that was really great. Not all these interviews, you know, they they take a lot of time to to get and they're, you know, now that it's on Dash Radio, I get a little bit more respect from from the. Yeah, managers, but you, usually it was not easy. It's not easy to get some of these folks because they're like, oh, look at we you. know, they're like, oh, you're just a little bitty podcast. You know, why would why would we go on your show? Yeah, well, five thousand. <laughs> if, if, if they think you're a little bitty podcast, what do they think of us? Like minuscule, you know what I'm saying? Well, so. I, I don't think so. Listen, when you all, I I haven't been on a. I don't think I've been on a podcast that wasn't one of my own. Yeah, and. Um, uh, let's see, the last one I was on was you know this uh, Perry's. But I get I get a lot of requests, and it's and it's not that I, it's not that I don't have, um, it's not that I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but it's like man, like time. Like I mean, I've got two little boys. Yeah. yeah. And, and and nobody can nobody can work during the day for on a lot of these things. So right. But when you all when you all reached out, I was like. 
I'll do, I want to do this one. I listen well, time to is couple. precious. I mean, you have small kids. Bill has small yeah. kids. Delvin's got small kids. I'm the only one with adult children, right? But still, it's the weekend. We all yeah. work nine to five or whatever the case may be during the week. You know, the weekends, two days we get to relax. You feel me? So, yeah. you know, we were like, we could knock it out real quick. But inevitably, as it happens, we start talking bourbon and we ask questions and it goes yeah. on, you know, but... So well, and thank God I'm not drinking bourbon right now because it right. could be even longer. I mean, because right. I would be like, oh, man, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I just I just RIP'd a bottle of Weller Antique 107 and I'm sipping on the Woodenville. I'm like, I better stop because this will go on and on and on. You know what I mean? But no, keep it going. I'm good. What, Look, I what, got the game on. I'm good. OK, oh, right, right, right. so what what brands of bourbon do you think are really crushing it right now in the business? Uh, you know, definitely that are new. New Riff is doing great. I think mm-hmm. uh, Wilderness Trail is really killing it. Yes, uh, yes, yes, I'm yes. a huge fan of Peerless. Woodenville, you mentioned them. Yep. I, I'm a big fan of them. Um, uh, you know, some that are probably not on people's radars as much, but Spirits of French Lake, Spirits okay. of French Lake with their four grain bourbon and uh, some of their barrel finishes. I think Balconies is is about to make some moves that are going to like really impress people. Yeah, yeah, out of Texas, um, yeah. And of course, you know, I'd be remiss. I mean, and I don't think this is going to surprise anybody, but I, Uncle Nearest is just, you know, you know, Fawn Weaver is yeah. just like yeah. on fire constantly. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. really, really good friends with Fawn. And so, like, that woman. If, if she wanted to be president of the United States, she'd be president of the United States. Yeah, uh, so I'm just saying, tell Fawn to send out a couple bottles of 1820, and we'd like yeah, to- we won the 1820, man. I know, because I know um, you did like a barrel pick. I mean, yes. yeah, like a barrel pick of 1820. And I never got a bottle of it. Yeah, really? I mean, this, what? So this, this is what's crazy. Uh, I, I'll do these, I did this barrel pick. This was for Kroger. It was, it Kroger, was for, like the grocery store? Yeah, so they were our what? retail part. They were our retail partner for uh, Bourbon and Beyond. Okay, and I and I did a barrel pick, and I didn't get it other than like the original, like uh, the original sample bottle. I never got my own bottle of it. Oh, uh, like now, now I got my own whiskey club, right? And, and I was I was getting on the phone with the retailers, like, hey guys, I didn't get a bottle of my barrel pick. You guys can send me a bottle. <laughs> and, and they were like, oh. Yeah, yeah, where's my ticket at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm doing all the work. Where's my bottle? That's oh, my crazy. Bottle. Oh, my bottle. Oh, my bottle. Yeah, a friend of mine yeah. who's who's like, he's in the bourbon. He's in the Virginia, D.C. area. He put up a post today on Facebook. I saw he had all three of them. And you know, it's really hard for us to find the 1820. Like, we're looking mm-hmm. for it. We get the 56, the 84. Yeah. Is yeah. it 56 or 65? 56. 1856 to 1884. But yeah. we can't find the 1820. So I'm asking, I'm like, bro, how was it? You know, how was it? He's like, it's the best yeah. one I had. And no, it's, it's, me. it's really good. It's yeah. really good. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll send you, I mean, I think I have. Uh, I'll take samples. I'll take samples. Yeah I'll, yeah. I'll send you all some, I'll send you all some samples of stuff. Oh man. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. The goat sending us samples. It'd be awesome. I yeah, don't know about real. that. that yeah, whatever, man. You're too modest. So you mentioned Peerless, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I saw the interview you did with him on YouTube. And, and the thing I liked about his bourbon, not only the history behind his brand, but because of his process is different, right? He's yeah. a young guy. And where everybody um, kind of dilutes their bourbon when it comes out of the barrel, he does that preceding entry into the barrel, which was cool right. for me. And I like it. Um, so I took some down to Charlotte when I went down to see my cousin. And he wasn't really yeah. feeling it. He really... He, he didn't really, 
I guess he wasn't feeling the flavor or the proof point or whatever. Yeah. So for people, like you say, the third tasting, the second and third taste will really guide them where they want to go. So do you think something like that, he could benefit from a second and third taste? Or is it one of those things that- I think, after- yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, your, your cousin- does he normally drink things on the rocks? Well, he, Does he he's like right things? here. It's me. That's that guy. It's, it's yeah. It's when me. I say my okay. cousin, I'm talking about William. <laughs> all right. All right. How do you know? How do you do? You, does, all right. So also, Peerless has a very oily profile. Right. Yeah. It's nice so, oily mouthfeel. And we had it neat. So. Okay. So yeah. so tell me, uh, William, what do you, uh, what kind of foods do you like? Oh, you getting the master. Oh, man. What kind of foods do I like? You know, I'm from the South, so barbecue is always on the menu down here. Some okay. pork. <laughs> are, you, are you a mustard slaw or mayonnaise? Oh, man. Mustard, slaw. man. Dude, we're mustard on, based in man. South Carolina. Come on. South don't ask Carolina, that question. Man, yeah. It's like, you know, mustard um, from uh, Sheely's Barbecue down in South Carolina, man. I may right. be far from home, but the mustard keeps me wherever i run i hate i hate i hate mayonnaise uh slaw thank you me too yeah no no, okay man all right so people who typically don't like peerless you know if you put it add some water to it maybe put it on the rocks you i think it'd be fine but yeah you you need to give it another shot and at the end of the day it it is a it you're getting a lot of oils in that one yeah so it's um a lot of the fatty acids came through and yeah It's got uh, it's got a lot of depth there, but it's young, you know. I mean, you may not yeah. like young bourbon, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, because I think um, um, I think the rye is like two years old. Is that right? Or some they have a three year old. They, they yeah. you know, their stuff's getting some age now. I think yeah. the rye was the first one he came out with that won some awards, and then his uh, bourbon came out. But yeah, that one. Uh, that was when I was with Whiskey Advocate. It was our best. Uh, oh. It was our best uh, rye that year. Yeah. Right, right, right. Our best best craft distiller too. So, Fred, I have to ask about the. Um, I'm sorry, Bill. I'm asking this quick question. No, no, no. You, 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 you bro. So, um, Bourbon Plus, the mm-hmm. magazine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've stepped away from the helm for a while, or will you come back? No, and- I'm, no I, I'm. Uh, I am. I'm gone. Okay. okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so. Hey, I, and like Biggie says, two words. Yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he's like a little ponder. Then he's like, man, I'm out. So I, I write a little article every month for Bourbon Zeppelin. Is there a chance that you will head up something like that, like an online publication where, you know, I mean, because you have a lot to offer the game, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, you know, you're getting to the point now where you want to pass on what you've learned, you know, create this lineage, so to speak, teach other mm-hmm. people, you know, how to basically taste the barbecue potato chip, right? So have you ever thought of something like that down those roads, like putting something online and well, uh, actually, I mean, if you'd be interested, I'd love to have you do some work on fredminnick.com. Uh, Fred, I will touch base with you offline. Dog. Yeah. We will chop it, bro. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I have, um, I'm con again, I'm constantly looking at what's next, what I want to do and everything. And, yeah. and, and like, um, you know, I loved creating, you know, bourbon plus. I love, yeah. uh, you know, the, you know, my partner on that, uh, John Timms, who just recovered from COVID is, uh, you know, he is a, he is a kind of a, he, he's got a gift for creating beautiful magazines, but you know, it was one of those things where I thought that was my, that was my dream. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. And, yeah, and what I realized, uh, you know, or what I realized at some point during the process is, is God, there's a lot of meetings, you know, there's a lot, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of meetings. There's, there's just a lot of things that like, you know, I wanted to create, I didn't want to 
being meeting all day. I, I didn't want to do stuff, uh, you know, that was outside of like writing and controlling the writing. And I think it, it started to evolve into something that I didn't really want. And and you have to know you have to know when to step away. But listen, I support that magazine a hundred percent. I'm happy to connect you with Carla Carlton. I'm still very close with it. But I mean, you know, for when. I, I, I think the magazine industry, um, I mean, I, I'm not interested in getting back in. It's print, just... Print is changing. You know what I yeah, mean? A lot yeah, of things are... Yeah. It's a lot more mobile. Like, I would be surprised. And this is not this is not one of those shots I take into the future or whatever. But I see things moving more to a mobile aspect. Like, print, print is cool. But around me here, a lot of print, like brick and mortar places have mm-hmm. gone, like, gone. You know, yeah. it's all digital now, you know, so Word. I mean, when people having every, a computer in their hand and smaller devices and more access to the world, I think more things are shifting that way. Um, I don't know what the future is, but yeah, I think I, I think actually the model for magazines is what Bourbon Plus is. Bourbon right. Plus has a, has a great model. It's a paid subscription model. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a coffee table. Beautiful look. I mean, the old Sports Illustrated's ads inserts. That's done. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not that. coming back. Right. But, but Bourbon Plus will thrive and continue to be the leader in the category because it's beautiful. I, I just like, you know, it, it just, I got there, I got there, I started it. And then I'm like, you know, I, I want something else. And, and it was just right. like, it, it, and it was, it was not really, it's not anything against the, you know, the magazine or the industry or anything. It's just like, I don't do things that, you know, I know when it's time. Like I when I when it's time, I'm out. You know. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a I'm not a stick around and, you know, waste years of my life on something that I you know, the, the passion's dwindled. And yeah, sure. it's, it's it's that simple. True that. I guess the gift is being able to recognize when when it's time to bounce, you know what I mean? And being able to make that decision a good in a good spot. So you you said I think you talked about the the industry being um, the risk is like companies fighting for the piece of the pie. So we mm-hmm. always thought that the pie should be a bit bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stuff we like to talk about on this podcast and for our listeners is like a lot of diversity and inclusion in the industry. Mm-hmm. Where, where, in your opinion, do you see things going? Talk to yeah, us. Yeah, it's, ama- it's, it's amazing. Um, I've been, I have been a champion of diversity since the day I stepped into this industry. And it was amazing. I had... Um, and I've, and I apply, I apply it in music as well. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I had a, uh, a black country music singer, Amaj on my show mm. and, and she sang a song dedicated to George Floyd and his death. And, um, and like I had, you know, if you go to that YouTube video, it has, uh, more down likes than it has up likes. And the interview was an inspirational, yeah. Uh, when I when I came out with a, a, a black square on my Instagram page, yeah, uh, yeah, I had I lost. Um, I, I don't remember, but I think it was like eight hundred Instagram followers. I lost a lot. Yeah, I think and, I think we talked about that a little bit from how people kind of you know. And and my my whole thing is like, see, ya, don't let the don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Yeah, but okay. but I mean, I grew up. I mean. I grew up in a very diverse, uh, a very diverse town. You know, my, my best friend, um, 
was was black growing up and he got you know i saw what he went through and you know we still talk to this day and and i'm learning about things that happened Mm -hmm. to him back then that i didn't know and i'm fucking pissed about it that i didn't know right and um and it it is a it, it is something that i think that i have learned that it's a conversation people don't want to hear right and i'm and i am okay um you know, giving that conversation, even if somebody doesn't want to hear it. And I'm, I'm okay having a, um, you know, being, being in an industry that, that knows it needs to work on it and trying to, you know, to push that. And I'm all right with that. In fact, I'm, I'm fucking proud. I'm proud of it. And it is, but it's not, it's, but what I, what I have seen, in 15 years, yeah, where, where we are today is so much different. Yeah. Um, it is so much better. People are willing to talk. The companies are wanting to change. They just don't mm-hmm. know necessarily always know how to change. Right, yeah. right. And but it is it, it is happening. And you know, I have um, I'm always I'm always looking for for people to like who want to get in this industry and and always trying to find spots in it. And uh, I, people who say like, well, you know, we can't, we don't have a, a pool. I was like, that's fucking bullshit. You're not looking, mm-hmm. right? Right. You know, yeah. Right. Take a look at D. Jones in Washington D.C. and tell me she's not one of the best bartenders in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just, I mean, I could go on and on about stuff like that. Right. And and it's like, and now. Uh, I think what we have seen in the last six months mm-hmm. is there has been a huge change of a tune. Right. Yes, sir. And um, and I think that's good. I think it's important. And I think it's um, and you all and your podcast and what you're doing certainly yeah. a huge huge part of that. And it, you know, COVID kind of forced us into this, and 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 one strong. Uh, uh, catalyst and Joyce to people's choice right there. <laughs> Destiny. Destiny. Yes, Destiny. yes sir. No, I agree. I agree, sir. So I have to ask, I mean, but before we wrap up, and I don't want to keep you because I know we've been I on I know you're trying time. to get to these games. Yeah, you're trying to get to these games. No, I would it's, be all, it's remiss. all good. I'm still watching. Like, I'm, I'm listening and talking, but I'm yeah, still so watching the game. I have to ask, just for, just for myself and possibly Bill, my cousin, about the ascot. When did mm-hmm. you first rock it? Right. Um, what, when did it come Your son about? picks them out, right? Your son picks them out for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So he'll, he will pick out what I wear. He didn't pick this one out today. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so this is the story of the Ascot. Uh, growing up, I, I love the shows that, that had, you know, the, the men in these like detective movies and like murder, yeah. she wrote, they were all wearing Ascots. They would walk up in, into rooms, like holding a whiskey or a brandy. <laughs> Hello, how are you today? You know, <laughs> be, being all refined and, you know, we weren't dirt poor, but we sure in the shit didn't have money. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I like, and I like aspired to like, I was like, I love that look. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Kentucky and we're going to go to the, uh, to the Derby. And I go into Von Marm. He's like, Hey, do you all have any ascots? I'm like, what the fuck's an ascot? Right, right, <laughs> nobody, right, nobody, right. Nobody, nobody knew what an ascot was. <laughs> and, and so I was like, oh, okay, I'll wear a tie. And so I'm on a wine, I'm on a wine trip with my, my wife comes on me. It's a, a wine press trip in, uh, in Italy. And, um, there is this like, uh, 
old old uh, wine writer there. His name's Bill Marsano. He's like an iconic, really like important, uh, you know, figure in wine writing. And uh, he's wearing an ascot. Mm. And I'm like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, where did you, where did you get those? And he was just like, Meh. you know, <laughs> but when I was, I, I dealt with that a lot. Like the older writers, you know, were always like, it's not, I'm, I help everybody. I help everybody I can. Right. Almost yeah. all whiskey writers. I've helped them get book deals. I've always helping writers or whoever wants to get in this game. And, but in wine, the older writers are like, get the fuck away from me, you little shit. You know? Yeah, I guess it's a different <laughs> game in wine, you know? At least then. I don't know what it's like now as much. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, you said that, man, because you say you like uh, bourbon people versus wine people. You, I mean, you yeah. said that's why you got into whiskey, yeah. And that's nothing against the wine people. There's no, 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 no. I'm, wine I'm, people. I'm not so any shade, but you just said you like the... Well, I, I love the, whiskey people. Right, like, right. I mean, I, seriously... If I was if I was drinking bourbon right now, we could right. we could talk till like three in the morning. I'm like, I love you, man. I mean, yeah. that's no problem. With wine, no problem. It, it would it would yeah. it wouldn't be like that. as a mask. Uh, <laughs> I have yes, in a pinch, it'll work. But so so we're on this trip. Uh, Bill was hitting on my wife. He's like seventy two, and he's like, "Hey, your wife's hot." Oh, I'm like, not 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 Bill. This is no. Bill, trip with Fred. Yeah, I know. It's like what. But listen, if he came up to me and said my wife's hot, I mean, like, yeah, no, man, I'm yeah later on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah keep but, your coverage, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I'm like I'm like I tell her all the time she settled for me. She's like, no, I didn't settle. Like, no, he, he definitely did. But uh, <laughs> um, so so he's like, you know, hitting on her. We're just having this time, and honestly, I thought this guy hated me. He just wanted to bang my wife. That's what I thought was going on here. <laughs> I thought he was trying to separate me and like get some alone time with it. It was very awkward. And then we get home and he mailed me five, like four or five ascots. And, oh, okay. uh, he's, and, and he said, my wife made these for you. You know, tell that beautiful wife of yours. Hello. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> so, so he set it up for you. And then one last hit at your wife. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's how I got my first ascots. And then I put it on, you feeling the silk and everything. Was yeah. just like, oh man, I got to keep classy. doing this. And um, I'd find him at estate sales and, uh, and, and like really high, <laughs> high end clothiers and then like places like Italy and, and London and places like that. But you don't really find ascots in like a normal store. No, definitely no, not. No, you got you to work for it. Yeah, yes, yeah sir. it's definitely yes, sir. the game. The game has elevated right there. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so Fred, as we wrap up, the last question we'll ask is what is what is your legacy and what do you hope to leave for the industry as you go forward? Sorry, William. I, I, yeah, I, I you good, you uh, good, brother. And if, <laughs> if you have other questions too, like D, Bill, if you all want no, to Bill's crying because he's like he doesn't want it to end. That's what it no, is. no, I just yeah. Um, I'm going to be you down. I, I think that you know it's not it, it's not over, you know, by any means. But I've always thought that the the book I wrote, Whiskey Women, the untold story of how women say bourbon, scotch, and Irish whiskey, while it's a mouthful. I've always thought that's probably going to be the most important book I ever write. Yeah. Um, because it opened the door to so many women and it didn't have, you know, you know, I, I would hit up brands when I was researching that book. And I was like, Hey, do you have any women in your history? And they're like, no, we don't, we don't have any. And then yeah. I would actually find them. And, you know, so now brands are like celebrating women and their, and their lineage and, like you guys didn't give two shits about them in 2009. Now all right, of a sudden right. you're, oh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm uh, like, yeah. 
you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm very proud of that book. Uh, it was the first of its kind. And, and, you know, and I have done a lot of research into uh, the role of enslaved people. Yeah. yeah. I was about and to whiskey. say that, yeah. 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 I saw that. And, I it, think we, and it's, go ahead. I think we found some of your, when Bill was doing the research for the black story we did earlier in the season, yeah, like um, some of your general. work was integral and Dr. Uh, uh, Aaron Gilliam also contributed. So we found a lot of stuff from that, which was awesome. Led me to a point like when we do it again in our next season, we'd like to have you come back when she's on this the show as well. And we talk Absolutely. about that further about the research you did, but not to interrupt, yeah. but go ahead. Uh, what I will say is that, you know, that research portion is is very dark and depressing and difficult yeah. for me. Of course. It, it I I still I don't think I've still fully like you know when I come across a a, a wanted slave paper or the notes from uh, from distillers about um, you know just how they treated people I I still it, it just still kind of hurts you know I yeah. think as as uh, as an American that we we did that and yeah. and I and and going back to that Killer Mike interview. You know, he said that we've never fully dealt with, it, and he's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. And we and we feel the repercussions of it every single day that we don't. And and if we don't deal with that, as an, I'll, I'll just say, as, as an industry, um, yeah. I can't speak. I mean, obviously, I have a say in this industry, but I don't for the entire mm-hmm. country. Right. But like, you know, I I Brown Foreman. Um, in when they applied for their um, their historic landmarks for like Woodford, you know they listed the enslaved people on there. So I'm like, you know, mm. that's a that's a step. You know, yeah. That's a step of, but well, what did they do? You know, I I want to hear those stories on the historic tours. You right. Know? So right. Right. But I that's that's just my opinion, and that's just me wanting a, the fuller history. Yeah. To be well, reported. And your opinion carries a lot of weight in the industry, Fred. I mean, you can't dispute yes. that and we it can't is. dispute that. And one of the goals we wanted just over the growth of this podcast was to have you as a guest on this show, which is my uh, friend. You need to you need to improve your goals because you're dipping no, low dude. in the barrel. For no, me. no, 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 no. What you don't do is play yourself short. The second is just accept the compliment. And the third is when outside opens up, we'll get to sit across the table from you and share a dram. Yeah. Yeah. All all three of those accepted. And uh, man, I cannot wait to be in a room with you all and actually, you know, clink glasses (laughs) and drink a bourbon. Like you said earlier, we might have some empty pockets, pants me down, and we don't know how we got to where we got. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. Now I'm saying, Delvin, you're the smallest of the group. It could happen. (laughs) He's probably the yeah. fastest too. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. Uh, he's hella quick. I'll, he's hella I'll quick. I'll pull a, I'll pull a hammy trying to get it. You know. So <laughs> we just sit him farthest away from the door. We got him. <laughs> that, that's the best looking. Yeah. <laughs> so, on behalf of myself, the team, Delvin Joyce, the People's Choice, William A. Stevens, the Silverback, Fred. It's been an honor, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for ending our season two show. And and I hope just one last time, tell the people out there who don't know where to find you, where they can find you on social, how to get at you on YouTube. And if they have any questions, just tell them where they can find you and where they can look at your YouTube videos. Yeah, just uh, pretty much across all platforms. Just search for my name, uh, Fred Minnick, and that's uh, M-I-N-N-I-C-K. And you can go to fredminnick.com. And uh, one thing that I'm doing that I'm I'm really excited about right now is I got a whiskey club through Craft Shack. 
Uh, so you can go to craftshack.com and search for the, the Fred Minnick Whiskey Club and get it, you get my whiskey pick of the month and, you know, a chance to, to buy a barrel pick. So it's exciting nice. stuff. Nice. Yeah. All right, cool. And Fred, I'll hit you up about the uh, online thing. You know, I'm a stud. Absolutely. I'm going to put you to work. Hey, I, I have no problems with working. So for Black and Brown Podcast Season 2, we're about to bounce. Yes, sir. Help me stop when you're ready, bro. Stay black and keep it brown. My man. All right.